Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. Sponsored by Apple Capital Group. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of The Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now, the host of The Core Business Show, Tim Jacquet. Welcome to another episode of The Core Business Show. I'm Tim Jacquet, your host. Uh, today, we're going to talk about bankruptcy concepts to juries. If you'd like to join the conversation, uh, please give us a call at 347-324-3460, or you can pose a question in the chat room or email us at info at the Core Business Show. We're going to take a break for a moment, and we'll be back with our host. You listen to the Core Business Show. You're listening to the Core Business Show, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. Apple Capital Group in Jacksonville, Florida, is a commercial lender that specializes in asset-based loans, equipment leasing and financing, invoice financing, commercial real estate loans, and asset-based financing in the U.S. and Canada. Apple Capital Group is a direct lender that lends on their private equity investment portfolio. 90% of most loans are decided within two hours, and vendor funding within 24 hours after documents are completed with a one-page application. No slow no's, just a quick decision and a fast yes. To get more information about lending from Apple Capital Group, call 866-611-7457. That's 866-611-7457 to speak with one of our loan specialists. Or visit us right now at applecapitalgroup.com. Welcome back to The Core. Once again, here's Tim Jacquet. Welcome back to the show. Presenting bankruptcy concept to jury. Sarah, thank you for coming back on the show again. Hey, thank you for having me twice. Uh, I guess for the very beginning, because there's a different episode, if you mind, kind of tell us again about yourself and how you became attorney and writing this uh, article. Sure. Um, I'm a trial lawyer that practices at the firm of Squire Patton Boggs, formerly known as Squire Sanders in Cleveland, Ohio, a partner in the litigation group, and um, try a lot of business cases. So one of those areas includes trying business cases within the context of a bankruptcy um, in which one or well in which one of the parties has probably declared bankruptcy and so you're there because probably your client is not getting paid fully on its claim or or and maybe it's because of something having to do with the bankruptcy rules and maybe it has something to do with the claims of the other creditors or maybe it just has to do with the validity of the client's claim all by itself but that's why you find yourself there and um, when you are in that place, you have to find a way of conveying to the jury um, people that don't deal in bankruptcy concepts in their day-to-day going about their lives. You have to explain to them why it is that you should get what you want um, and why the fact that your client's claims, at least according to you, satisfy the requirements of the bankruptcy code, but also why doing what your client needs them to do is the fair and right thing to do. So that's a bit of a challenge. Kind of take us back for a second, because there's uh, uh, two bankruptcies, uh, 13 if they're personal, and 11, mm-hmm. I think, if there's a business. 
And most cases, you just have a judge. Can I walk us through and make sure we have this clear picture uh, that you would actually have a jury? Will you have a jury on both ends if you're filing personally or you're filing uh, for your business or everything is um, by the judge? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Tim. Ordinarily, you are in front of a judge, and not just any judge, but a specialized bankruptcy bankruptcy judge who understands the ins and outs of the bankruptcy code, and you don't have to spend a whole lot of time in those situations discussing why uh, a certain result is fair or unfair. However, if you have a complex issue or a distinct one, or if you satisfy any number of criteria that may pull you out of that ordinary bankruptcy court um, under the bankruptcy code, then you can find yourself in front of a jury. Um, sometimes it's uh, an advisory jury, which is something that's happened to us, um, where a jury is impaneled, but they're really there to advise the judge. Their decision is not per se binding. But you know at the end of the day, it will be. So for those reasons, you can occasionally in bankruptcy proceedings find yourself in front of a jury and not a judge. Happens more often with large institutional bankruptcies, not so much personal bankruptcies. Okay. So, for example, if you're uh, personal uh, bankruptcy, and we can go to commercial in a few seconds, personally, you won't, it's really going to be between you and a judge. What cases that you have in this particular process, uh, maybe you're a small business owner, you file 13 on yourself, uh, what type of issues that will put you in front of a jury? Um, you can be in front of the jury if an issue is distinct enough so that the federal court will do what they call withdraw the reference. And if they withdraw the reference, they decide that there are overarching considerations in the dispute that is between the creditor and the debtor that don't necessarily require specialized determination by a bankruptcy court who has bankruptcy knowledge, but rather that can be determined by a general judge who then decides what to do with it. So say you've got a very big supplier dispute as between a bankrupt buyer and a viable supplier. And really what happens is that the dispute is nothing, it's not any different than any other buyer or supplier dispute that could be filed in civil litigation in a situation where no party is bankrupt. Mm -hmm. In that case, sometimes the federal court or sometimes one of the parties will petition to withdraw the reference from the bankruptcy court, and then you find yourself in regular court land. And so that's how that could happen. Okay, so even though one uh, person filed bankruptcy, the jurisdiction is still uh, in the bankruptcy judge, but the judge can sign off for them to handle this particular dispute in a, uh, in a civil suit. Right. It happens when um, resolution of the dispute doesn't necessarily implicate bankruptcy concepts. It has to do with the types of questions that are ordinarily determined in civil litigation, like a contested claim. If a supplier or if you know if a creditor is lining up just to get his undisputed claims paid, that's something that's resolved by bankruptcy. If there are questions about whether there is a viable claim, and those are questions that would ordinarily be, term be determined by state or federal or contract law, those can sometimes be the, – the reference can be withdrawn, and then you find yourself in regular court land. Okay. And usually, uh, I would say in one case, uh, usually going to be a real large dispute that is dealing with a significant amount of money because usually, um, I guess, creditors are not going to – going to take the chance of uh, you beating up on this little bitty, you know, creditor, not creditor, but I don't know if we call it defendant or a petitioner, going to mm -hmm. beat up on the petitioner, and the judge usually is going to be some more sympathetic on the person than actually going to be sympathetic on the company. So it has to be a huge dispute for him to 
he or her to take out of his court and allow it to run its course. But usually if that's a particular case, does the bankruptcy judge has the last word? Um, if the reference is withdrawn, then the regular federal courts have jurisdiction. So, um, But the situations where this happens is not necessarily a small debtor or even a small creditor. I mean, mm-hmm. just recall, this is America. You know, banks file for bankruptcy or the bank equivalent of bankruptcy. Major ones do. Mm-hmm. Um, car companies do. Airlines do. I mean, this is the world that we live in, especially over the last 10 years. And in those cases... Um, if there's a civil dispute between a bankrupt um, entity that's typically filing for Chapter 11, so it's going to be reorganized, it's not going out of business, in order for commerce in America to continue on, somebody has to adjudicate the disputes that are going to arise between those continuing entities and whoever it is that they do business with. So in those situations, you're going to quite commonly see people withdraw the reference and adjudicate the regular civil dispute-type disputes in regular court. And, again, that's where you can find your juries. Um, So in those situations, trial lawyers have to find a way of explaining the bankruptcy concepts and the bankruptcy rules to the extent that they're implicated, Mm -hmm. like which creditors get priority and why, in terms of concepts that juries can understand. And so you have to go back to the draw board and you have to drawing board and you have to think about how it is that you explain these things, why some creditors come first. Or if you're in a situation where you feel like a creditor is coming first unfairly or trying to assert itself its rights first unfairly, you have to think of a comparable an analogy that people will understand. So let's say there's a creditor trying to assert primary rights in a bankruptcy. You explain to the jury that this is basically like somebody cutting cutting the line at the amusement park and making everybody, you know, who got there first wait till after they're done. That's not fair. Well, you're going to have some, you know, uh, if it's a big enough bankruptcy, you, you know, you have your creditors meeting and sometimes you're not the creditors meeting, but the yeah, panel maybe. that your creditors are sitting on to make the, dis- you know, to make sure that the interest, I don't know what you call it, but I know that you can have credit, yeah, the committee, and that's a different dynamic. So is the committee is dismissed and they allow this to move forward or they just those creditors just sit in the background while this process go on? Well, there's certainly a lot of creditor interest in a situation where you have an individual civil uh, dispute being fought out between another creditor and um, a bankrupt entity, whether it's filed for Chapter 11, usually the case, or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, you will find a lot of... People will be like, why is the courtroom so full? Who are all these people? It's the other creditors trying to figure out what happens because, of course, if the creditor that's involved in the litigation prevails, there's less money in the pot for everybody else. So everybody's kind of interested. Can I give us an example um, uh, that you can pull from that this usually will happen? Did this happen to one of the car dealers, I mean, uh, car manufacturers, uh, that they had actually a separate issue? Uh, here's an example I can use. A few years back, um, when you know the banks were not doing well in this country, mm-hmm. we had a case in which we represented a bank holding company that was uh, filing for the bank equivalent of bankruptcy. It was stopping operations effectively mm-hmm. and selling its bank to somebody else. Um, in the course of doing that, the federal government, the FDIC, which regulates banks, um, came along and said, that they believed that the bank, and we we were we represented the bank holding company, um, that they believed that the bank had broken some covenants with the FDIC such that the FDIC was 
should have been allowed to step in front of all of the other creditors of the bank and collect something on the order of, I think it was about $500 million. Now, in that case, the other creditors were deeply interested in what happened with the government's claim, because if the government's claims were satisfied, that would leave absolutely no money for everybody. And what we were able to successfully argue and prove in front of a jury was that, and it was essentially the nature of a breach of contract suit, between the federal government and the bank holding company, but we proved that the bank holding company never made the covenants that the that the federal government described, and so that left a lot more money in the pot for other creditors. Oh wow! And talking about this particular article that kind of inspired you to write this, can I tell us uh, this article itself? Um, how did you come about in writing it, and what do you think the readers would get get out of it? You know, that's an article that I wrote a few years back, and um, I, I think it's really not any different than any other trial lawyer instruction on how to present any kind of complicated subject to a jury. In each case, whether it's, you know, why the federal government shouldn't be allowed to cut the line in front of other creditors or in a supply chain dispute, which is what I principally do, you know, why uh, the widgets don't work and whose fault it is, um, you have to find a way of explaining engineering or bankruptcy or other technical concepts that most people don't deal with in their day-to-day lives. You have to find a way to analogize it to an everyday experience. So that's uh, that's what I say, would say would inspire me to inspired me to, to write that article. And you know, as most trial lawyers who deal with complex subject matters, be it antitrust or bankruptcy or supply chain engineering issues. They all face the same the same difficulties, and this is something that corporate America, which is being represented at trial sometimes for these complex issues, um, helps with because, of course, these people have ways of explaining what they do when they go home and talk to their kids, and so you just have to listen and figure out how it is that you communicate the realities of the situation, the realities of a complex um, body of information to people who don't deal with it every day. Okay. So now you're taking that case, uh, the jury made the decision. Do they make a decision as binding? You mentioned something at the very beginning, and does it go to the judge, and the judge makes the final decision? Um, in the situation of an advisory jury, technically, the jury's decision is not binding. Okay. Um, but I've never heard of a situation in which a judge doesn't take it. Um, you know, you, Generally, you don't impanel an advisory jury for your health, and so um, usually it's the case that the judge takes the jury's recommendation and then settles on findings of fact and conclusions of law that the judge then writes to match up with the advisory jury's decision. Okay. And from there, does it go back to the bankruptcy court once it's resolved? I mean, as a matter of fact, it does. You know, to be it goes back to the um, bankruptcy court to be included as some of the terms of administering the bankrupt, bankrupt estate, but it's not necessarily approved by the bankruptcy court. It can be appealed, to be sure, but it, at that point, the bankruptcy court is subordinate to the ordinary federal civil court. Okay. In the case of fraud uh, and abuse by managers or owners, how does that third will or fifth will actually play in this scenario? So in that case, um, what often happens is that you'll find the bankrupt estate, which is the company itself, it represents the interest of the company as opposed to anybody working for the company, the bankrupt estate will then sue, claim against any sort of any bad actors for 
to recover damages from any fraudulent conduct that occurred. And that's one of the many very complicated things that can occur in a bankrupt estate is that there can be claims by the estate against people who've harmed it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and which and, and that is the kind of thing for which the reference can be withdrawn. Sometimes it is, sometimes it is not. Now, sometimes if it's dealing with a criminal litigation, they can kind of prolong this uh, for some time. Does everything just go on hold while that gets resolved? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes um, a bankruptcy, a proceeding of that nature, will be stayed if uh, if there is a federal prosecution ongoing. Obviously, the results of the federal prosecution impact the viability of civil claims. I mean, if if somebody manages to prove in a federal prosecution, criminal prosecution that a wrongdoer is guilty by um, by the standard of proof required in criminal cases, that's going to be very persuasive in parallel civil litigation. But usually, often, I'll say it's the case, often the government does get to go first with that. Okay, great. Anything else you'd like to actually leave us with? Um uh, no, maybe just the thought that um, presenting technical information to juries is something that, whether it be bankruptcy-related, engineering-related, antitrust-related, um, international processes-related, it's something that's becoming increasingly common in civil litigation. And uh, it's important to figure out a way to present those concepts when they arise in a way that makes sense to people who don't encounter them on a day-to-day basis. And that is one of the interesting and fun and unique challenges of the life of a, a trial lawyer. Wow. And if they want to get a copy of this article or reach out to you, how do they how do, do so? I would say that that article is best able to be found on my LinkedIn page. Okay. Um, my name is Sarah Rasky, and my firm is Squire Patton Boggs. Perfect. Well, thank you for coming on the show again. I really, really appreciate it. Okay, thank you, Tim. Okay, take care. Okay, you too. Bye now. Uh, You're listening to The Core Business Show, everybody. Thank you for listening. And Thank you for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. For a free quote on equipment leasing and financing, visit our website, applecapitalgroup.com. That's applecapitalgroup.com. And fill out the information to receive your free quote. We hope you'll join us for our next episode. And remember, you can always get to the core via iTunes. You'll find all our previous episodes there. Thanks again for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet.